Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for coming to church. I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. Thank you for joining us that way as well. It's just good to have you. I know we, we are starting a brand new series today, you know, about the Holy Spirit. And gosh, even thinking about this concept of the Holy Spirit, I know that every one of us come from different backgrounds. Every one of us are at a different place in our journey, in our seeking God, discovering God. We're all kind of in a different place. And the Holy Spirit is probably one of the oddest, hard-to-understand, mystical parts about God that we don't hear about much. Maybe we have a hard time grasping. And I'll be honest with you, some of it is just a little bit out there. Just kind of seems out there. And here's the point, though. If you're here today, and I'm glad you're here starting this out, I want to encourage you to, to come or to join us every week during this series because I really believe it will help each one of us experience more, understand more, and allow the Holy Spirit in our life more. It's absolutely critical for our lives. I think it's you know kind of like God's greatest secret for us is, is the Holy Spirit. But as we begin talking about the Holy Spirit, today I want to cover something that we're going to have to understand before we move on in this series. We're going to have to get past... This idea that most of us have that we just don't believe in ghosts. We don't believe in the supernatural phenomenon. A lot of us, most of us have a hard time with uh, Bigfoot. Okay, I do. Bigfoot, this mystical creature out there. Okay, there's no Bigfoot. Um, What about UFOs? You know, kind of that thing. Well, UFOs, extraterrestrials. I don't know. I don't really think about that. I think sometimes we, we we are very skeptic about things that we don't feel, touch, and understand. And that's cool. We we can be. But when it comes to the supernatural, spiritual things, if I ask you today, do you believe in ghosts? Most of us are in this. We all fall in in somewhere in this whole line. That some of us are over here, if it's not tangible, if it's not explainable scientifically, if I don't get it, if I can't see it, if there's not an explanation that I can follow, that's just nonsense. It's absolutely nonsense. And a lot of us are here. That that's just nonsense. Come on, there's no such thing as ghosts. There's no such thing as supernatural, spiritual things happening. Come on, there's got to be an explanation to everything. And, And some of us are here. I get that. But some of us are way, way over here to everything that happens is spiritual. Everything. There's a demon under every rock. There's, you know, there's, if, if I, if a, if a light turns red just before I get there, there's some spiritual reason why it did. And some of us are over here. Just so you know, I have been at both spectrums. I have been at both. I am really trying to find, and this is the goal of our, of our uh, several week series here on the Holy Spirit, is to try to get us to hear. If we're really, really skeptical to move us, and we're going to show you biblically and examples that, no, the world is more spiritual than we think, but there is a, there is a truth, there is an accuracy, there is a purpose of the Holy Spirit working in our lives And it's not necessarily over there either. And this is our goal to kind of get here. Because here's the deal about spiritual things, about ghosts, about the phenomenon, that we live in a very spiritual world. We don't see it. We can't touch it. 
Hard to explain, but we live in a very, very spiritual world. There is account after account after account in the Bible. I mean, there, there, there are these you know, the written down things that have happened that people have experienced over generations of different kind of things that we say, hey, listen, this is what really happened to people. And I know it's hard to believe. And this is a lot of times we just go, that's hard to believe. I know it's hard to believe. That doesn't mean it's not true. I, I want to give you just a, a couple of biblical examples. The first one happened in the Old Testament. It's uh, by a guy named Daniel. He actually was a prophet. And Daniel uh, was reading in Scripture, and he found that the children of Israel were going to be released after so many years, 70 years. So he started to pray. So Daniel starts to pray to God. And he is praying and praying and praying. And he's praying for a month. And he's praying and nothing happens. Then one day he's praying, and boom! An angel standing before him. Some of you have trouble with that. But an angel stand before him. I love whenever an angel shows up in the Bible. What happens to people? They poop their pants, right? He, so he like the, he says he fell on the ground as though he was dead. The angel has said, hey, Daniel, come on, come on, helps him up. Come, come on, listen, I got to talk to you. And here's what the angel says to Daniel. He says, from the first day you started praying, I was sent to you. From the spiritual realm into the physical realm. I was sent to you on the very first day. But for 21 days, I was battling the prince of Persia. So this angel tells David that I was sent right away. As soon as you started praying, God heard your prayer, and he sent me to give you a message. But for 21 days, I was battling with the prince of Persia. This is weird stuff. Okay, just, this is weird. The prince of Persia. So there's this idea that there's like this demonic force over this whole region of Persia that kind of has control of it in the spiritual world. And this angel Gabriel comes, and he is, he is trying to get through, but he's bad. I don't know how they fight, okay? Maybe they got swords. I don't know how you'd kill each other. Anyway, I have no idea how they're battling, if it's fists, if it's knives. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's lightsabers, okay? But anyway, they're battling, and then, listen, this is, this is how it goes. The angel tells Daniel, Gabriel tells Daniel for 21 days, and then Michael, another angel, who seems to be a little more beefy, said, Michael came to my rescue, and Michael picked up the battle with the prince of Persia so I could come to you and deliver you this message. That's some weird stuff. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. The spiritual world and the spiritual realm that we don't see is very very real and we're living and we got to comprehend and understand in the spirit realm and the spirit world around us even though it's hard these things happen there's all kinds of there, there's account after account of account but i want to i want to kind of show you another one that jesus and jesus encountered evil spirits a lot when he was here as a matter of fact not just jesus but even his followers that they were casting out demons almost like a, a, on a regular basis. But here's a story where Jesus is uh, in a boat, and he's going, he left a big crowd, and he's going. He comes to this place where he runs into a demon-possessed man. And we're going to pick up the story here. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man 
from that town, from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs, among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell, to, fell at his feet, at Jesus' feet. He cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, this, this guy, these demons are actually talking out of him, don't torture me. Story goes on. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary place. This demon had control, actually turned out to be many demons in this person, had control of this person. They tried putting steel you know, uh, chains on him and he would break his chains like superhuman strength. And these demons would control this guy and run another account of this very same story. It kept throwing this guy into fires and different things like that. And this demon had complete control of him. And Jesus asked him, if we kept reading, Jesus asked him, what's your name? The demon spoke, legion, for we are many. And then Jesus cast them out into a bunch of pigs and they ran and killed themselves or drowned. The point of the story is this, that Jesus addressed evil spirits that came into the physical realm, into the physical world, often. And where are you with ghosts and spiritual phenomenon? Because these things have happened. I'm going to tell you a story that uh, happened in my family. By my family, I mean the Hasseltine family, my aunts, uncles, grandparents. In uh, 1974... It was in the middle of the summer, July, in the evening. My grandpa came to our house. And the reason it was so memorable, because he always came in the, the back door where everybody comes in. He came to the front door, and he knocked. And he stood at the door and waited for my dad to come. My dad answered the door, and the first thing my grandpa said, and the front door led right into the living room, and we were sitting in the living room, and my grandpa said to my dad, son, do you love your dad? Odd thing to say. He said, well, yeah, dad, I love you. And my grandpa said, I want you to know I love you too. I got to tell you something. They went into the living room. I'm, I'm sitting there listening to this. My grandfather, with tears through the whole story, says, I met my maker. And then he went on to tell the story. He lived, they, he had retired to a lake in Chautauqua, Wisconsin. It was the middle of the week. It's mostly a vacation lake, a lot of cabins around there. So there wasn't anybody on the water. He was the only one out there. And he was fiddling with his boat. My grandfather always fiddled with stuff. And uh, the boat motor is just going. He's just kind of putting along and he is uh, fiddling with it. And he noticed the rope uh, on the bottom of the boat was moving and it was tied to the anchor in the front. So the anchor rope was moving. The anchor was going down. So he got up to grab the rope and at that time the, the anchor hit the bottom of the lake and he was thrown out of the boat. He can't get back in the boat. He was fully clothed, no life jacket, uh, fully clothed and um, a little bit overweight and really didn't know how to swim. The boat is going just, it's just kind of idling around in a circle because the rope was there. So he couldn't get back in the boat. It was moving. 
in a circle. And he proceeded to tell my dad, he said, son, I knew I was going to die. So I asked Jesus to save me. And what he meant by that was, he said, I want to make it right with my maker. And he was asking Jesus to forgive his sins and to save him. And he went down and he said, he, uh, it was just blackness and he kind of lost consciousness. And he was about to lose consciousness and he said, somebody grabbed me by my hand, by my arm, and lifted me out of the water. And he said, there I was out of the water. I was being held out of the water right, right at my neck level. And he said, I looked and it was Jesus standing on the water. Summertime, Jesus standing on the water, holding me out of the water. Hard to believe, isn't it? Easier to believe when you're hearing it from a man that it happened to. Changed his life forever. Meanwhile, on the other side of the lake, there's a hill. Three guys were goofing around in their garage. Must have had the week off because they're, it, um, it was the middle of the week. And they happened to notice for about 10 minutes this boat's out there going around in circles. They said, man, something, we can, we can go check that out. They, got, they went down in the water, got in their boat, they went out there, and heroes are there. The, the police took a report and everything. Here's what happened. Those guys come down there. They see a boat going around in a circle, and they see a man unconscious like this. Just floating. No life jacket. Like that. They grabbed his arm, threw him in the boat, Brought him to the dock. They called uh, to the dock. They called nine one one, and they came. Sheriff came. All that took that thing. And as he's telling my dad this story, he said, "Jesus talked to me when he was holding me out of the water." The guys, the other guy's testimony was, "We didn't see any Jesus, but this guy was just <laughs> like this." And my grandfather told my dad. He said. Son, Jesus told me I have one more year, one more year to tell everybody what happened to me. That story changed my whole family. Every one of my aunts and uncles and through my, my dad and my, all of our family of that story of my grandfather meeting Jesus on the lake. It really changed everything. And here's the thing. You hear a story like that and you're, you're wondering, Oh, is that true? Was he unconscious? Did he really? I am telling you what he experienced. And I'm telling it to you because the spiritual world is real. And God moves spiritually in the spiritual world. And, and really, this, the, today, really what I want to get across is this whole point. That God is spirit. God is spirit. And the whole goal of you and I, what this church is about, is that every one of us would grow in our knowledge and experience with God through knowing Jesus Christ. That we would experience God in our lives. And here's the point of this. That some of us are over here so far that we believe in God we know Jesus was the, the Savior. We get that. We understand that we even put our trust in what Jesus did for us so that we will be with God in heaven. But what we haven't done is experienced the presence of God in our lives. 
We believe and we know, but we, we can honestly say to ourselves, I've never experienced the presence of God that, that I hear once in a while that people say, I heard God's voice, or you know what, God moved in me, or I just felt so much peace and so, so much joy that I can't explain it as something supernatural. I experienced the presence of God. But if we're so far over here, that we don't believe in the supernatural or we're not quite there with this whole spiritual stuff, the problem is we could be missing the presence of God. Yes, we'll go to heaven when we die. Yes, we believe that Jesus is the Savior. We got that. But maybe the reason, maybe the reason we're not experiencing the fullness of what God has for in our lives is because we don't believe in the supernatural or the spiritual realm happening today. And I hope that today we would be able to move a little bit from here, maybe a little bit this direction. That yes, God is spirit. And if we're going to experience God, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. A spiritual experience. Jesus actually addressed this exactly when he was telling his followers that the, the Holy Spirit's coming. But Jesus addressed this. He said, but so many people are going to miss it. So many people are not going to experience the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. And here's what he says. The world cannot accept him. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. We can accept God. We can accept Jesus. But the world has trouble accepting the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But he tells his followers, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit that's with Jesus. And he said, the Holy Spirit is with you. He's in me. He's with you. His followers but he's going to be in you, and we'll talk about this in the next couple of weeks about Jesus sending the Holy Spirit after he left. But he said, here's the problem. The world's not going to see it. The world's going to miss the Holy Spirit because you can't see him. You can't touch him. He's a spirit, kind of mystical. But we need to be different than that. We need to look to, yes, there is a spiritual world. There is a spiritual realm. Because if, if, if you've had trouble experiencing God, Jesus says this to us, to all of us. He says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It moves from knowing to experiencing. Because what the Holy Spirit does, when we allow the Holy Spirit, when we, when we realize that God is spirit, there's a spiritual world that we live in, and we are spirit on the inside, every one of us, body, soul, and spirit. I mean, that's what makes a human being. That our spirit inside is what the Holy Spirit testifies. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the personality of our Father. We experience God's very nature. The, the Bible tells us this, that no one knows the heart of a man except the spirit of man. Nobody knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit inside that man. And it says the very same thing is with God. Nobody really knows God but the spirit of God. 
And when we allow the Spirit of God to testify with our spirit, we then experience God in our lives. And God moves in our lives. And I think that so many of us, and I just want to ask you this question, it's very simple. If you've never experienced God's presence, you believe, you know, facts are there, you're convinced, but you've never experienced. Like you hear some people talk about God's joy and His presence. and You ever see somebody who a calamity happens in their life and they're still smiling? I think, what's wrong with that person, man? They're either on drugs or they're... I almost said a bad word. No, it's the Spirit of God. Never experience the Spirit of God that brings joy and fullness and contentment and completeness and purpose. That life that is really life comes from the Spirit of God. And the Apostle Paul kind of explains this to us about these, these things. He says this, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy. I mean, all joy. Joy that the world can't give. Joy that's not unexpected. All joy. And peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't miss this line. That we experience the fullness of God and the hope and the joy and the completeness of God in our lives. I mean, really through the power of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. That the Holy Spirit is real and He can do these things in our life. We're going to spend the next several weeks talking about what the Holy Spirit does and kind of the gifts that He brings and the things, the value that He does in our life. But we have got to get first to the place that we believe and understand in a spiritual world. That we live in a spiritual world. I could tell you story after story after story of a spiritual world. I'm going to tell you just two. That, that happened to me. Um, I wasn't hallucinating. One time I was, it was after a Wednesday night service here at church. And uh, after, uh, after Wednesday night, uh, you know, you got to have ice cream before you go to bed. It's just... The way of life. I knew we didn't have any, so I went to this is back when Nelson's grocery store was still open. If you've been in Nelson's grocery store, you'll understand this story. But so I went there to get some ice cream, and uh, I, the ice cream was way in the back. And so I went to the back of the store, and I was I was back of the store. I, I ran into three different people that were at the Wednesday night service, and they're in the first, and they weren't all together. They were kind of spread out. Uh, but ran into the first one, and the, and the first thing they said to me was, wow, you, you, man, God is good, isn't he? I said, God is really so good, and told me a little story, you know, just how good God is. And I said, yeah, God is good. And I went uh, down the aisle there, and I saw another person from church, and same thing. I didn't bring it up. They said, man, God is so good, isn't he? Yeah, God, God is good. Another person, God is so good. Yeah, God is good. I, I got my ice cream. Two big barrels. Uh, anyway, I, I'm at the checkout. If you remember Nelson's grocery store, the checkout line actually faced the, very, the front door. And so I was in line for a while, and I was like three people in front of me. And kind of, when I got up to the register, I saw somebody walk in the front door. Clearly drew my attention because this person, as I was standing there, this person walked right in, excuse me, and had a weird look to him. He was, I don't know, a little bit shorter, had 
white hair and just a plastic looking face. He looked like he was made out of plastic. It was the weirdest thing in the world. He comes in the door, walks straight to me. He didn't walk around. He, he walked in the door, never stepped a beat, never, never slowed down. He walked right to me, stood right in front of me, made me very uncomfortable. He looked kind of weird and he said this to me. He said, if God is so good, why is Satan winning? And he turned around and left. I pooped my pants. <laughs> literally, not literally, almost literally. I mean, it freaked me out. And I'd love to tell you I'm a great man of faith. Uh, yeah, I was scared all the way home, all the way. It like, freaked me out, you know. It's like this spiritual world thing is, is so weird. I, I went into a house. Some people asked me to pray for their house, pray over their house. They're having some weird things going on, spiritual things. So I went through the house and prayed, and it opened up a, a bedroom door. It was so black in there. I'm not talking light black. Darkness. Evil. I, I went in, and I was, I was taken back by it, and as I went in, all I heard was, get out. And I did. <laughs> Great man of faith. Call me to come and pray. Scared the eebie-jeebies out of me, and it was the weirdest thing and the most horrible thing I've ever experienced in my life. Just get out. I later found out that the guy committed suicide in there, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm not going to give you any more. I don't know more. I know this. The spiritual world is very real. But it's not always all, it's not always, it's not all always, okay, it's not always negative. Um, tell a story that's going to be hard for you to believe, but it's uh, very physical, and it can be proven, and it's uh, a matter of fact. My daughter Amber, when she was six years old, you imagine a six-year-old? She had uh, ears pierced, but she wanted double-pierced ears. And so uh, it was in the evening. It was their bedtime, all the kids' bedtime. And Amber came to me, actually mom first, you know, mom, for my birthday, can I have double pierced ears? And mom said, ask your dad, see what he says, you know. So she comes and asks me, uh, hey, dad, can I get double pierced ears? And I thought, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, fine. I had no really opinion. I said, sure, Amber, you can for your birthday. Mom will bring you. You get your ears pierced. Oh, she was all happy. Yeah. You got to know Amber. Yeah, she said. Oh, anyway, the next day, next day, I am at work. I was working at Maranatha at the time down there in Wyoming. And my oldest daughter, Leah, calls me. I said, Dad, you better come home. Amber's just, a Amber is just going crazy here. She's running around the road. You know, uh, Jesus gave me my wish. Jesus gave me my wish. So what, you know, be quiet. You know, I, so I wasn't that moved by this sort of stuff. When, so I didn't go home. I said, fine, just everybody straighten out and be fine when I get home. Get home and uh, call the kids together. First, it was Amber. Amber, tell me what happened. And she said, Dad, Jesus gave me my wish. Jesus gave me my wish. She said, what, what happened? When I went to bed, I asked Jesus to give me double-pierced ears. She woke up in the morning with not only double-pierced ears, but with blue earrings in it. Right now, you guys are saying, yeah, BS. So was I. I'm telling you the truth. Man of faith, right? No way. I said, Leah, what happened? She said, I don't know. She woke up. Saying, eh. I said, Sue, what will you look at it? Sue, Sue looks at him carefully, takes the earrings out, and she said, Kevin, 
they look like they're completely healed. They look, they look like they've been there for a long time. I get on the phone. I call my mom. Mom, they lived right across the street from us. Mom, what'd you do? Did you bring Amber to get her ears pierced? No, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I, I will. I'll bring her. No, that's my mom. I'll bring her. Uh, no, did you bring her? No, I didn't. I'm in turmoil here. What do you mean? Amber, tell me again. What happened? She's just crying like she did something wrong. I'm kind of hard on her, you know. You tell me what happened right now, and I want to know what happened. And, Jesus, and like she was, I, I was ruining your faith right there, you know. And so I'll be honest with you, I'm still a little doubtful, okay? And so I said, maybe, maybe she did it herself. I said, Eric, our oldest son, Eric, come here. He was what? I don't know, 10 at the time. Come here, I'm going to stick your... So I get the ice cube and the needle. <laughs> Poor Eric. Ah! <laughs> I'm seeing if she did this herself, you know? i got to find out some rational reason that this happened. And so I'm sticking Eric with the needle and the ice cube thing. And he's, ah, da, ah! Okay, his ear is all red and puffed up. So I came to the conclusion she didn't do it herself. They were absolutely healed. Did Jesus pierce her ears and put earrings in? Aha. If Jesus did that, if the spiritual world was real, then these earrings must be from some planet somewhere. This is going to be a stone. So here's what I did. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm skeptical. I took one of her earrings to the jeweler said, what kind of stone is in this earring? I thought, I'm going to have some stones here that are worth a billion dollars. The jeweler looked at it for like one minute or 30 seconds. Didn't take long. Said, said, eh, it's just plastic costume jewelry. Shoot. Thinking if Jesus did this, why is it just plastic costume earring? The point is this. Uh... Amber is now 35 years old. Those earrings were done by Jesus Christ supernaturally. The supernatural spiritual world came into the physical world and did a miracle for some little girl. I don't know why he doesn't heal people of cancer and he gives a little girl. I don't have any answers for all that stuff. Why was it costume jewelry? I have no answers. This is my whole point to you. That if we're way over here, that if it can't be proven and it can't be touched and it can't make sense, then it can't be real. For you and I to experience the Holy Spirit moving in our lives and, and experiencing the fullness of our Father in heaven, we've got to move over to believing that the spiritual world is real. God is real. He is spirit. The Holy Spirit is real and can move in the natural in our lives if we are open to spiritual things. And today, I want to pray for each one of us as we close, for all of us to move to realizing that, of course, God can move spiritually in our lives. Let's pray. Father, I know that a lot of us are skeptical. I'm one. I was. I'm not anymore. But Father, you are spirit. 
And Your Holy Spirit delivers to us in the natural. Your Spirit connects with our spirit, testifies, teaches, tells our spirit, brings You into our presence with Your glory and Your joy and Your fullness. Father, if I have doubts, my prayer today is this. Help me to believe. Show me, Father, show me personally that You move spiritually in the physical world. In Jesus' name, Amen.